Welcome to another episode of Called Bank Sports. We've had an eventful week with three jazz games, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. All wins, so that's great news. And in the middle of the week, we had a trade deadline. And the Jazz, they did make a trade. We'll get into that, but it wasn't really a major move. It may turn into something bigger, uh, depending on how Matt Thomas develops. But there are also some big Western Conference contenders that made trades that could switch things up and make it tough for the Jazz to hold on to that first seed. So we'll get into those and kind of have some uh, predictions on, on how that will change things up in the second half of the season. What trade Dale kind of stood out the most to you since, I mean, there were a lot of trades out West and it's close enough in the standings that that's going to really mess with um, positioning. I feel like here down the line. So what trade or lack of trade, I guess, stood out to you the most? Um, I th- like, I would like, there's some surprising moves and some underrated moves, I think. But I think the biggest one was the Clippers picking up Rajon Rondo. And that feels like, because I don't know how big of a deal that's going to end up being and how big of a difference he'll be. But you saw what Rondo did for the Lakers in the playoffs last year. And we've been talking for like two years about the Clippers need a more solid playmaking point guard. And then honestly, like, Giving up Lou Williams is kind of a, a big give, but he hasn't been playing very good the past two years. And so to just having that be, I think it was maybe a second round pick was thrown in there, but I think for the most part, it was a straight up trade with the Hawks. And even though Rondo's not what he used to be, I think adding him to the Clippers is going to be the biggest difference maker out of any of the moves for the West Western Conference teams. I think that in a normal year, that move would be amazing. Um, obviously, he's not the point guard you would have wanted to get. Had you been able to swing Rubio, um, that would have been so much better. And obviously, Rajon's a better shooter or has had those sh- stretches in the past. But Rubio is a much better pure point guard. And if he's on the floor with Kawhi Leonard and PG-13, then okay. you're set. You don't need... I mean, he can dish to both of those guys and they can both ball handle. But a, the like you said, a pure point guard will just help um, them move the ball a lot better. So what concerns me about this move is with my understanding of current COVID protocols in Los Angeles, you can't really practice that much or so. How are they going to integrate Rajon Rondo into their team? And isn't that what they kind of ran into the bubble last year? Other than, um, Paul George just having a really rough stretch in the playoffs. They hadn't really played their star players together and their the the lineups they wanted to play at all. They hadn't played those during the regular season. And so are they actually going to be able to integrate Rajon Rondo into the team successfully? Or is that just going to be a hiccup that kind of ends up being a catastrophic failure for them down the line? And I, I, I'm just... I'm interested to see what happens there. I don't know what your that, thoughts are on the integration aspect. That's an interesting point. Uh, I think that's definitely a possibility that um, they just don't get enough practice time to make it work in the playoffs. Um, I think I think at the very least, I, I think it'll be a net positive because Rondo's like smart enough that he might not be as good as he could be, but I don't think he'll be making awful plays and there's he has enough talent to work with as a as he's going to be playing that pure point guard role that uh he should have 
at least something there, even though it won't be as as like planned out and choreographed as it could have been. Another worry of mine with the trade is Hey Dale, can you Oh, uh, can you not hear me? Oh, sorry. No, my computer just um froze for a second. Sorry about that. But it sounds like um so okay. Well, we'll see if we edit this out. But so what um so yeah, I just think really in the end Rajon Rondo could be like what brings the Clippers to playoff content um to finals contention and pushes them through there just if he's able to hit his threes. But if he ends up missing those threes mixed in with some other stuff, I I think that it's just going the Clippers are just going to do what they did last season and fall short is is my final take on it. Yeah, and there's like there's a lot of talent out west that we weren't because the Suns are obviously outperforming everyone. I don't know what the expectation is for them in the playoffs, but they're now in that second seed spot. But you still have a lot of teams that are you know they're going to play good in the playoffs in that playoff race. Um, like they have to worry about the Nuggets. Uh, they have to worry about the Mavericks who have recently actually started playing decent. Um, so even with this, like it's not a foregone conclu- conclusion that the Clippers are the best team out there, even with all their star power. There's a lot of other good teams out West. Yeah. And I mean, well, here's what I'm really pushing for right now. I think looking at it and looking at where the Clippers are at, it looks like they're going to end up in the two or the three seed. Um, I do. Th- you definitely do have other teams surging. You have Denver two and a half games back, Portland two and a half games back. But then you get to Dallas, and even though they've improved and they've just went back to their offensive prowess of last year, they are five and a half games back from the Clippers. So I think Dallas just, um, whether it's been COVID issues or just meshing issues and injury issues, they've fallen too far back to really be a contender to um, push up for home court or even for that 4-5. I don't Mm -hmm. think we'll see them get that close. But not even seeding, if if you're the Clippers and you have to play a team like the Trailblazers or the Mavericks in the first round, uh, obviously they played the Mavs last year in the first round, but that's not an easy first round matchup. That's not just a gimme series. And so they, I'm get, like, I would probably choose the Clippers over either of those teams in a series, but it's possible that they lose and it's possible that it gets pushed six, seven games and it's a tough series and they come into the second round tired and, and maybe not as ready to compete. Yeah. Assuming if the Golden State Warriors, who are currently the 10th seed right now, um, uh, one and a half games ahead of the 11th seed Sacramento Kings, if they sneak in for that eighth spot because of the play-in game, there's not a team that, like, you just look at the names that are on each team. I mean, you have the one with Utah Jazz, obviously, Donovan Mitchell Gobert, Phoenix Suns with Chris Paul and Booker, LA Clippers, Los Angeles Lakers, Denver Nuggets with Jokic and with Jamal Murray, Portland Trailblazers with Damian Lillard. Then you have Luka and then you have Steph. And that's going to be a star-studded, just first-team all-NBA competing group of eight. It's going to be, the playoffs this year are insane. I really don't want Golden State to grab that eighth seed because even though there's so many struggles, and I think the Jazz would win in seven, Anything can happen when you have Steph. So I, I don't know who the Jazz are going to match up against in the first round, but chances are it's going to be a really rough game. It's it's going to be a hard series, and it's not just going to be a, oh, 
we'll sweep them um, type of mentality that the Jazz can have. I know that that's like that's an interesting point because the first seed, at least when I was like when I really started like watching and getting into basketball, like um, I think the first finals that I watched before like that I really paid attention to is like the Lakers versus magic with Dwight Howard and Kobe Bryant facing off. And it's like the, if the first seed didn't sweep the eight seed, it was like really weird because you had teams like, um, I like the eight, seven, eight seeds were re- normally just like really mediocre teams. Yeah. But at least in the West, this like, it's a little different out East, but in the West, like, one through eight, maybe not the Spurs, but like you throw the Grizzlies or Warriors in there, and they're pretty good teams that you're facing, and like you're you're almost expecting them to at least take one game in a series against the first seed. Yeah, and obviously in the East, it, this isn't going to stay this way. But if the playoffs started today, you'd have 76ers Heat for the one eight matchup, <laughs> and that would be a one eight matchup I'd want to see. That would. That would honestly be like a set, like a conference finals caliber matchup. As long as everyone on the Heat and the 76ers were healthy, that would be a lot of fun to watch. That would be such a frustrating because, like last year, the Heat beat the 76ers mainly because Ben Simmons was out and they were just shorthanded, and Joel Embiid wasn't enough. So, what if something like that happened again? The 76ers are the first seed, Ben Simmons gets injured, and the Heat come through and beat them. That, that would, would be. be- I, I would really appreciate that. I would love to see the eighth seed upset the one seed in both conferences this year, as long as the one seed in the West isn't Utah. Then <laughs> definitely I'm cheering for the one seed there. Let's just go for all upsets except for the Utah series. All all upsets. Well, if the I mean, we'll see if the, if it's Lakers Clippers in the first round, which is a legit possibility I'm going to get to here in a second. Um, I don't know if I want... <laughs> the Lakers beating the Clippers with that being an upset. But so the moves that really stood out to me were the, um, Oh, sorry. The names are slipping my mind. Were Denver picking up Jamal, Mur- not Jamal Murray. Um, who and did Denver Aaron, pick up? They got Aaron, Aaron Gordon, Gordon and they got JaVale McGee as well. JaVale McGee. I don't know if the JaVale McGee's official. Yeah. That seemed to be a kind of a pending thing. But so Aaron Gordon is, um, the name that's on my radar. And it's not because Aaron Gordon is this amazing player. Um, personally, from everything I've heard and the stats I've looked at, he's pretty overrated. He's not that good on the offensive end. But what he is, is he's a long athletic player. And even though he's not good at the defensive end, if he buys into the Nuggets, and if he puts in just some more effort and really doubles down on this for the rest of the season, that's going to just up the um, up Denver's defense, which really gave the Jazz a hard time the last time they played, the last couple times they've played. And that's going to make a scary, um, put the Jazz in a scary spot, I feel like, especially if they end up getting in that 4-5 spot. I don't want to play Denver in the playoffs. They're that good. Um, and even though the Jazz are doing amazing this year, I really could see Denver upsetting whoever they play in the playoffs. I think that they have that much talent and that Jokic, if Murray goes off, that combo is really unstoppable. So with them picking up Aaron Gordon and possibly solving their powered forward issue, if not at the very minimum, improving it, I'm worried about the Nuggets. And, you know, with how amazing the Trailblazers have been doing, despite their injuries, 
the fact that they're getting Vooch is no who's who's the um center who's been injured on Portland for um there's so many dang it there's so I'm many Slavic well I I hope I'm throwing out the right Nurkic. um Nurkic. Nurkic. I I don't know if it's Slavic but there's so many um like Slavic style center names that it's just throwing me for a loop Jurkic um Nurkic Jokic Vucevic <laughs> just I, so many there's ma- another on the Grizzlies yeah um so so many but whether or not picking up Norman Powell is what um like pushes them to, over the edge I do think that sadly getting rid of Rodney Hood was the best move he just hasn't come back from his um leg injury at all I if you sorry I'm scatterbrained today I can I could see these teams especially if, depending on how much longer AD and LeBron are out going and taking the 4-5 spot pushing the dropping the Lakers down to 6 and setting up a really interesting second round series for the Jazz assuming they beat the 8 seed and are the 1 seed I guess Yeah I think there are some interest like for the the Norman Powell move like personally I don't think that's going to be like I th- I think it'll help them out, but it just doesn't feel like that team is built to be incredible in the playoffs. Obviously, they have Damian Lillard, who in any series, like he might just go off for fifty points a game and pull it off because that's how good he is. Um, so I'm not I'm not as terribly worried about the Blazers, but that is an interesting point that with the extra little um, boost from Norman Powell, especially if he fits into the system and plays really well with them. That could, um, that could lead to an upset with the Trailblazers. I think that that might be one of the few trades that happened that actually was a points gained trade. Um, I'm not super versed in it, in it. I need to look a bit more, but I think that that just basically involves looking at plus minus and then um, seeing like when you take these plus minus, what ended up happening here, and did you get positive points back? So like if let's say. Norman Powell was like plus 0.7 and Rodney Hood and Gary Trent were like plus 0.6. It's a plus 0.1 trade. And a lot of trades actually end up being um kind of a minus trade. I do think that when you look at it, as much as people, as much as a lot of people are high on, um are high on Aaron Gordon, I think that they, they actually lost points with that trade. So that's going to require Denver doing a lot to make that trade beneficial to them. But Norman Powell, I think, is going to be a lot better of a trade than people think it is. I think you'll see some more offense there um, on Portland. And obviously, it's a lot easier to make a push on the Lakers when like 50% of their salary cap is, isn't playing. But I, I do, I while, while 538 still puts the Lakers at grabbing the five seed, I personally expect the Lakers right now to fall to six and that's, that's what I'm hoping for, but that's what I think is going to happen. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but I'm excited to see where it goes. And that that's an interesting point that you made with the, like the plus minus and like a net positive trade. Um, because I bet that's, I don't know if that's something that they actually consider when making these moves because and I wonder if they should. That would be something to look back and analyze to see if net positive trades turn out better for the teams in the end. Um, 
but I think like the mindset and like the the way you excuse yourself around that, even if that is something you look at, is like with the Nuggets, for example, if they get Aaron Gordon, they they they're not forced to play the same way they're playing right now because Aaron Gordon is a versatile player. He he can shoot threes. He's athletic. He he forces the defense, and so like they can really change up their game plan. Which I'm yeah. honestly really excited to see alley oops from Jokic to, oh, to that, Gordon. It's going that to be will fun. be pretty. That will be pretty. So no, I I do think that the Aaron Gordon trade is going to end up helping Denver a lot, just because he's so athletic. And when you put someone that athletic on the court, it helps because you can't teach athleticism. I mean, if you could teach athleticism, Joe Ingles would be a monster right now, <laughs> even more than he already is. But I I'm. Really intrigued to see where these where these trades go, especially the major ones. And I think that COVID might end up making it so these trades don't really have the impact that they could, just based on um restriction health restrictions in certain areas on being able to practice and things like that. Yeah, that but that's an interesting point that like we have to keep taking into account until, uh, pro- hopefully just for this season. Hopefully next season it it's not something we have to worry about as much. Yeah, if the Jazz win this year, COVID definitely helped them um, because the way that they play basketball and the way their front office works was much more conducive to a COVID-19 season since the less changes you can make during COVID, the better. And other teams are just always going around and trying to make all the changes they can. So that front office style of Utah, I think, is really helping them a lot. and you know, set them up to be a lot more successful this year than than other teams. Yeah, that that's a good point. And like, I feel like they did make a couple minor moves, but those are the kind of moves you want, like players that you yeah. feel can you can just plug into your system and and you go. And so speaking of Michael Thomas is who they picked up, right? Yes. From the Raptors. So, from the Raptors. Um, I think my favorite story about that whole thing is. I can't remember if it was Zanuck or we'll just say it was Justin Zanuck went to the jazz practice facility and walked over and stood at George Nyang's hoop for a bit the day of um, the trade deadline. And Nyang thought he was gone. Nyang thought that he had just got traded and Zanuck was coming over to um, tell him, Hey, thank you so much, but we just traded you. So what actually happened is, um, he's like, Hey, what do you think of Michael Thomas? And Yang, who played college ball with Michael Thomas is like, Oh yeah, he's a great guy. Great basketball player. I love him. And Zanuck just said, Oh, he's your, he's your new teammate. So Yang <laughs> went from having an absolute heart dropping. I'm not on the team anymore moment to I, one of his best friends is now going to be on the team, but you can't do that to players <laughs> in the trade deadline. <laughs> what else are you, how else are you supposed to talk to them? Are you supposed to get a sign that just, says you're not getting traded and like walk over and stand at their hoop and wait to chat. <laughs> That's what they do. They have <laughs> not getting traded people and getting traded people and just wearing <laughs> signs. So no hard. Oh, gosh. Um, but I think that that's going to be the best st- Michael Thomas story we get this whole year on the jazz. He's a, um, he's basically a, a fire extinguisher where you, he's in his little case and you just have the hammer that's break glass in case of emergency. <laughs> And I think that that's the freeze gets benched. Yeah. And I think that that's the, um, also the Ilyasova deal is we have our nine man rotation. We're playing well. We're the number one team. 
the jazz system is really hard to get into and learn. So I think that, you know, if we see Derek Favors get injured or Gobert get injured, then yeah, Ilya Sova is going to have to step in and take minutes. If we see um, Nyang and Ingles out at the same time, then yeah, Michael Thomas is going to have to step in and take minutes. But right now, nothing's broke, so we don't really need to fix it. And I just, I don't really foresee these guys playing that much at all. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, we're up by 25 with five minutes left and we're clearing the benches. But that's not really playing on the team. That's just being the five guys who get to go in and have some fun when it's just basically pick up basketball at that point. Yeah. Well, one quick, before we close the episode out, but one interesting thought that I had about the Michael Thomas trade or Mike Thomas, I don't know what he likes being called. Um, but you already have what Mike it, Conley. He has to be Michael. Okay. So, sorry. sorry. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> um, but like there were rumors that the jazz might be trading for JJ Redick. Which honestly, I think JJ Reddick's an awesome. He would be awesome if he was already on the roster. But I'm trying to think like, who would the Jazz have to give up for a guy like JJ Reddick? And we'd probably have to give up someone like Niang, which yeah. we wouldn't want to give up. So I think this trade is an awesome, like, like almost a, a settled deal because Mike Thomas is a really good three point shooter, not on the level of JJ Reddick, but at the same time, because he's not at that level, he doesn't demand those minutes. And so. Uh, I think that's a good trade-off for the Jazz that they just lose the second-round pick, keep their core, don't really mess up the roster, just add another guy who can fit into the system. So I, th- yeah. I think that was kind of the mindset of the Jazz um, front offices. They wanted a three-point shooter, but they didn't want to give anything up for a three-point shooter. Yeah, it's really hard for the Jazz to upgrade anyone because when you look at players that you want to upgrade, it's either George Nying. So you need to get someone who's better than George Nying and willing to go out and play defense the way he does and shoot the three he way the way he does, which are both incredible for and only get to play 13 minutes a game and be fine with that, mm-hmm. which if you're better than George Niang, I don't know if you're going to be fine with that or Royce O'Neal, who I love and I'm not in any way trashing him. But if you want to upgrade him with the way he plays, you're probably going to need to go out and find someone who's making 20, 25 million to get that either that extra offense or that extra athleticism that people want. And that's frankly just doesn't work with the cap. So upgrading for the jazz right now, really, I don't feel like it is an option at most of those positions unless you find like a needle in a haystack. Yeah. Unless you get super lucky, like the Celtics did with with the Evan Fournier trade. (laughs) Uh, That'll be exciting to see. I'm excited to see where that goes and Mm -hmm. leave in the comments what you guys think about the trade deadline. We didn't get into the East at all since that really doesn't impact the jazz. But if you want to talk about trades, um, Eastern conference trades in the comments, we'll definitely engage with you on that. So thank you so much for watching and let's hope the jazz can continue to finish out the season strong. Go Utah.